Welcome to the Witcher Lorecast, where we take a look into the vast universe of the Witcher, such as the games, books, shows, and so much more. Welcome back, Witchers, to another episode of the Witcher Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, followed by none other than Toasty of all Witchers. I'm still trying to still figure things out. It. Still working on it. <laughs> We're you still. Know, you could just steal the line with me as always. Oh, uh, with me. I, see, it comes to my mind, and I just never say it out of my out of my head. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But Hello. yes, Toasty's here, uh, and it is spooky month. It's finally, finally spooky month, and as always, we go into the bestiary month mm-hmm. what are we what what monster are we doing today uh so we're talking about himes today oh god i figured we'd start with an actual scary monster <laughs> oh god yeah this um if no one remembers you do encounter a heim in the witcher 3 and mm-hmm. it's a very interesting quest <laughs> it's a, it's a- it's a good one. It's one of the the more memorable ones, well, in my opinion, and it probably has probably has nothing to do with throwing a baby in an oven. Like no, I mean, God, why would, no. Why would it be have to do with throwing a baby yeah, in the oven? Yeah, it's just crazy. But yeah, no, this quest does involve throwing a baby in an oven. Don't worry, the baby's all right. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But uh, one one of the quests that deals with the baby that ends on a good note. That's true. A lot of the other ones don't end very well for for children. This is not a good world for children. No. Um, But anyways, as always, we start with a bestiary entry. Um, And like Ben said, it shows in The Witcher 3. That is the only only source that we experience a Heim in in all of The Witcher franchise. So, uh, but there's plenty of like variations that like are similar like different monsters that are similar in different ways that we will get into when we get into the real mythology. <clears throat> it's interesting. Uh, but anyways, some men have got good reason to fear their own shadows by Svargmit and Skellig Druid. I like how it says and Skellig Druid. Dandelion being all fancy with this terminology there. But <laughs> anyways... Uh, monsters most commonly claim innocence as their victims, tardy merchants, reckless children, and travelers who wander into dark woodlands out of misplaced curiosity. None of the above need fear Himes, however. These wraiths only latch onto particularly despicable individuals who have committed some unspeakable crime. To all others, they remain completely invisible. When they do show themselves to the one they torment, they appear as a tall, shadow-clad, humanoid silhouette with long, sharp claws. Yet Himes do not sink these claws into their victims. Instead, they sap their strength directly through inflicting suffering. Speaking in a voice only the victim hears, they drive him to commit acts of violence, aggression, and self-harm. A Heim will seize on a guilty person's worst fears and weave out 
and weave out of them hideous visions, slowly driving the poor soul into madness. Those tormented by a heim are incapable of restful sleep, for they are tormented by ever more frequent, incredibly realistic nightmares. At times, the victim will become extremely on edge, yelling pleas or threats at invisible phantoms or confessing his guilt out loud in the hope this will end his torment. This act does not, however, bring any relief, for the Heim will not leave it until it has addled its victim's wits completely or driven him to suicide. Ouch. Yeah, these are, these are scary ones. Um, yeah. And particularly nasty. Uh, but the Heim is a type of specter uh, that appears in The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Uh, it's particularly formidable in that it doesn't outright attack its target, but instead feeds on the target's guilt, um, driving them to madness and suicide. According to scholars who wrote Behind the Great Veil, Himes are one of the most dangerous demons and cannot be exercised traditionally. They inhabit several spheres, including the real world and Gonter Odim's Dark Plane. Um, yeah, uh, if anything that deals with, uh, God, no, just mm -hmm. no. Yeah. Actually, you know what? We should probably do an episode on God's Road Tim this month. Oh my gosh. We, yeah, that's right. There hasn't been one done. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> now he is spooky. Yeah. When is Halloween this month? It's always on Monday, right? Mm, not always. Always the thirty first. It's always the thirty first. Well, I mean, we have an episode on the thirtieth. Would be close enough, right? That's close enough. Oh wait, never mind. Oh wait, that's, that's patron chat. That's a patron. <laughs> Damn. Oh well. But anyways, uh, so it is classed as a specter, um, and it occurs in Skellige and Gaunter's world. This, that sounds like a dark Elmo's world. The way it's phrased there. <laughs> oh my god, it does, and that's oh. it's kind of scary to uh, just knowing. I mean, doesn't he like? He likes to. He just like wanders around and hums. I can imagine it. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. I just now I'm just thinking of a clawed, tall, evil Elmo. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that's horrifying. No, but they are susceptible to moon dust, specter oil, and the Igni sign. Um, and should you uh, actually fight them, uh, you can loot crystallized essence, emerald dust, specter dust, essence of wraith, and lesser Velus runestone. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember fighting the Heim in the actual quest from the base game. So I think it depends on whether you go in most. I think the majority of people go with um, the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the baby. Saris. Her name's Saris. Saris. Yeah. Saris's uh, like plan because like if you don't, then it kind of like fucks up her like quest with like, you know, leadership in Skellige or whatever. Right. Um because you have to go with like her plan in order for her to prove herself and actually be like, like a, able to achieve that, like get her to a position of leadership. 
Um, and I think she's the preferred uh, choice for like who becomes in charge of Skellige for most people. I have to look at statistics, but I would like to think so because uh, she's my preferred anyways. Um, but you can, there's another path <clears throat> to the quest that allows you to actually like combat this thing. Um, I don't think I've ever done it, but I'll have to like look it up and see um, what it's like. But you can only loot it if you do fight it. Um, but otherwise, the tricking is usually what people go for. But in a situation that you do fight it, um, once a Heim is exposed to possessing a victim, the Witcher way of ex exorcism comes into effect. Moon dust is unnecessary, but a silver sword coated with specter oil can help finish the fight quicker. Himes do not move quickly compared to other specters. Their ethereal claws have great reach, and they can sap the life out of their victims with a mere brush, which makes up for their slowness. Evade or roll past the claws and try to strike the Heim before it can react. Be aware that after several strikes, the Heim will teleport to another corner of its room. So, I mean, essentially, if you play Witcher 3, it's just, it's just like any other specter, like wraiths that you will fight. Um, don't let it touch you. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> the battle against Udalric's Heim took place in two phases, one in the main chamber of his old home and one in the basement. During the first phase, the Heim was being damaged whenever possible, using Igni signs to keep him visible while dealing good blows. His Himes often teleport, but attack slowly. One should try and get damage in after every attack. When Udalric began to succumb to the Himes' madness, the Axie sign had to be immediately used on him to force him to remain calm. Igni and Irden sign are both great help at keeping the pressure on the Heim. Being lit on fire does not have an extraordinary effect on the Heim, but it deals fair damage and helps keep it more visible, especially helpful in the cellar. Erden slows down the already slow specter, making it easier to strike a blow. When the Heim retreats to the cellar, pursue it quickly before it can regenerate. The cellar has candles you must light with Igni to help keep the Heim corporeal. Continue fighting defensively, evading his claws, and striking his openings present themselves until the Heim succumbs. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I never did this in the game because I always just go with Seer's plan and never have to fight it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done this either. So it's, uh, it's, it's an experience that I have uh, yet to well experience. So... But, I mean, it's good to know this now in case we ever decide to do that. Right. Uh, and I did look it up. Uh, it has been, through most search results, uh, Sears being the best ruler for Skellige. Okay. I figured so, that that was the popular choice. So, <clears throat> I mean, she does do the best for the islands. So, I mean, arguably. Yeah. It was the best for the islands, but then I think it like makes them a bit more vulnerable to like Nilfgaard or whatever later on so it's kind of a eh, back and forth that's there's, fair that's true there's a give and take with, as is pretty much every decision that you can make in the witcher you know yeah. so I mean even the ending stuff you can sure you can make Syria witcher which you know in like the short viewpoint is good because it's like nice to have her around and like 
be like more of a family. But then you leave Nilfgaard to leadership that isn't her, and arguably she would be the best leader for Nilfgaard and not... Uh... Yeah, Amir, who we all hate and despise and loathe. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's give and take for everything. So, but... That's a fair point. I'm, but... a, I'm sure that that'll be the canonical ending for Skellige whenever The Witcher 4 comes around. Oh, yeah. Sira so Bean... Uh, and I... See, with The Witcher, and you can go listen to our last episode with our patrons. With cano- which, whatever they make canonical to the story, they'll probably look at what's the most popular choice decisions and just based on, on that. Which, mm-hmm. Sears being the ruler of Skellige, okay, yeah, that's probably going to be what's going to happen. The whole events with Siri, that's going to be a 50 50 toss. Yeah, that one might be a bit like they might choose the one that's more, more like narratively fitting for mm-hmm. like building the best game. But I think like in the sense of like other ones that are smaller decisions, I think looking at the percentages for for people's choices is probably the best route. At least making people feel like their decisions mattered, you know? Right. So, but can't please everyone. Nope. Or they'll just do an emulator just like how they did with The Witcher two stuff for Witcher 3 uh, from Witcher 3 and they do that in the fourth so they might do something like that and then have different story settings somehow but whatever this is about him it's not about Witcher 4 Um, so I am guessing it's a good time to take a mid break Mm -hmm. alright very well let us get this over with Something has infested my vineyard. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then. And welcome to the mid-break of the show, where we talk about everything with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore of The Witcher. And here, we want to thank our patrons. Thank you for supporting the show. Um, and especially thank you to our higher vampire, uh, Jared M., which... As you know from last month, I am now not a patron, so there it's we have it. It's a no new month. Patron ban. Nope. An era has 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 ended, <laughs> and a new one has begun. The time of the axis. Not- <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we're going. Oh geez, <clears throat> prophecies. Um, and um, this is also where you know we go over reviews and. I'm not seeing any new ones this week. I don't believe so. Uh, I'm not seeing any on Apple. Nope, I'm not seeing on any on Apple either. But... Although I will say, I noticed the other day that we have over 500 views, like ratings on Spotify, and I was like, "Damn, that's a lot." <laughs> but we do have, we do have a new response on our actually our last episode on spotify uh mm-hmm. by farhana and excuse me for butchering names uh farhana nalika i'm late to this but just listen to it love hearing you guys just bounce off each other and trail off topic at times uh an example is effing monsters and whether siri would be a dictator love your show <laughs> What a what a great combination, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is, um, I mean, you know, 
We do that a lot. Our patron episodes usually devolve into fucking monsters. So, um, you know, it's just how it is. Yeah. It's just the life we live. That it is. Which, since it is spooky month, I am very concerned about this month. But, you know, that's... that's... No, no need to be concerned. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure, yeah. Because, you know, our patrons will definitely not do that. Mm-hmm. See the thing is right is you're saying the patrons. It's mostly my fault. I'm that gonna be true. entirely honest. I'm the guilty one here, so I can't really blame anyone else. That- I have a monster fucker emote on Discord, bro. Like, <laughs> well, monster fucker slash monster lover. So yeah, <clears throat> there you have it, everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm send um, it to Ben right now. Oh gosh. It's oh, going to be great. And um, you can also check out us on a few different discords. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord and also uh, my Discord, the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord with all the other shows that I host. And I think that's all we got for the mid-break. Nope. Cool. Let's get back into hymns with real-world stuff. You smell of death and destiny, heroics and heartbreak. It's onion. Right, yeah. So, Ben, I'm going to start this off with a question. Have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? No. Okay, well... Uh, that's a lot of where our real world, real world mythology comes in, um, because the Heim is most closely based on the Zamora. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to talk about Zamora or some of this stuff might sound familiar because we've talked about it a little bit on a different best theory episode so uh regional variation plays a strong factor for the creature known as the zamora Uh, it does have different names among the eastern slavs as kikimora Hmm. south southern slavs as mora or western slavs as zamora or mora and they kind of have different roles Um, but they all loosely focus around the same thing um so the name uh as you might be able to tell is very closely related to the word nightmare or uh just a mare which is a type of demon um which i think we specifically was in nightmare of the wolf um yes. the first monster that vesemir like ran into was a mare that was possessing that woman um so a bit of a different uh, play on there. But anyways, um, they're all associated with sleep or the lack of sleep. So sleep paralysis being an affliction that exists beyond myths. Uh, when one experiences it, there are often psychological effects. And Zamori uh, or Zamora, Zamori I think being the plural, was the Slavs' explanation of the shadowed beasts people saw during these scary nights. Um, So people who experience sleep paralysis will often talk about, like, basically it is 
kind of them in like a state of like being half awake and half asleep and they can't move and they can't control their body, but they can still ex like experience through their senses. And often they see the shadows move and form into creatures. Whereas like the common terminology talking about like my sleep paralysis demon. So normally they take like people see like a manifestation of something when they experience sleep paralysis. Um, I've never experienced it myself, but from what I hear, it is actually quite common. Wow. Uh, well, it's a good thing neither of us experience that because it's, it's terrifying from that, what I hear. And I already have a hard enough time tr trying to go to sleep, let alone mm -hmm. being conscious and not being able to move. Yeah. Um, and so they... They use this to explain the like shadowy visages that people saw. Um, the Zamora would sit on their victim's chest and draw away either their strength or blood and come morning would flee when the victim awoke. In the worst cases, that person never woke again. Um, and so I, I think we talked about this a little bit when it came to like Kikimura um, and uh, the Kikimura episode. Um, and obviously these are going to be quite closely related, but it's been a while, so I don't mind really doing a refresher. Uh, but like most demons, Zamori were off. Zamori were considered people who lived or died unnaturally. Zamori specifically were the undead souls of wicked women, people, typically women who were wronged and have returned to punish the person who wronged them as well as those with unibrows in some regions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Specifically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, I, we know that these like mythologies always have like a weird thing, like in the mix. Um, but yeah. Uh, or a virgin woman who was betrothed to a man who then married someone else or the child of a woman who walked between two other pregnant women. Yeah. Like physically walked in like, yes, they're going like down the street and they like walked, walked in between two other pregnant women. And that child became a Zamora. <laughs> Mythology's weird, bro. It, I mean, go look at our last bestiary, uh, bestiary episode. We were talking about gnomes. Yeah. All things, for sure. But like, yeah. But like, we obviously, this is like a thing that's kind of coming into like, we've talked about this a lot on this show um, because this it seems very specific and targeted towards women. Um, so, you know, a lot of this like mythology does end up focus, focusing around these and being uh, more judgmental of like women and their roles and like, you know, basically trying to like, put them in their proper role in society or like, you know, do this or you're going to become a Zamora, like a wicked demon that feeds on people's like, you know, while they're sleeping. And it's like, so a little ridiculous, yeah. but you know, that's, that's just the way this stuff is. So the Kikimore variant was often considered different, often as nefarious, often as a nefarious spirit of the house, usually abandoned houses that opposed the Dumovoy or Domowik within Russia, stories range from them acting like the demonic Zamora to them helping with household chores if they were pleased with the home's occupants. 
Just think, I'm I'm just now thinking of a Kiki Moro from the Netflix show, and just like cleaning the house. <laughs> I mean, like they'd probably be decent, right? They got a bunch of arms. Yeah, they might be able to do dishes like, real good. This is like, terrifying to see. Yeah, like, no, giant for sure. Spider is creature with a human with a, head with a baby yeah. head. Yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> you know that's that is. I can't remember. Kimura, we see it in the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Do we see it in the game? Um, that is a good question. Do we? No, I don't think. No, yeah, we do. It's in The Witcher, the first Witcher. I was trying to okay, remember it's the it. first one. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, those aren't even. It's also in the Blend Wine expansion as well. I mean, those don't look very appealing either for no. for household uh, assistance. They're like big insectoid things. So, yeah, not great. Nope. Not at all. They usually don't look like that from uh, from what I've, I've researched. But we'll get to that. Um, Zamori were also believed to mess with the horses in the stables as well, taking them for long moonlight rides and draining their strength. It then left, it then led the drained horse back in the stables. Other livestock could also be impacted with plague from the demon. The similar names create a connection between these beings and Morana or Marzana, which is the goddess of winter, pestilence, and death. Sometimes they're considered to be the goddess. Other times they are servants of her. So a little bit on their appearance. Um, they often varied, as is common with mythology. But typically were pictured as a dark creature in a human-like form. Sometimes zombie-like. Other times more a black void or vampirish. The Zamora took on the form of whatever its victim's nightmare was. Uh, Kikimori, on the other hand, tend to appear as old women or crones. Interesting. I mean, so, I mean, being a vampiric look. And they did, like, sometimes like, some of the, the representations fed on blood. So, right. like, like so that, a vampire. So that makes sense. Um, but yeah. the Kikimori version looks like an old woman or crone. Interesting. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they can they can take on more of a role of, like, like a better role depending on if you mm -hmm. treat them like correctly or whatever so like you know it makes sense it's a much nicer to imagine a you know old lady doing your dishes than a giant spider you know so that, that's a good point that is a very good point to complicate things further zamori are shapeshifters like many demons and gods in slavic mythology they can be animals like cats, martens, frogs, mice, and even inanimate objects like straw, which some regions consider part of their appearance, or thread. Okay. So I'm trying to imagine, and, right? Is it like right? can you be a collection of straw? Or just like a or single just a singular single... straw? Yeah, I I, that's a good I don't know like and they can appear as threat can you knit a blanket with a Zamora possibly I mean if going back to the straw thing like if it's 
if they're like a whole bay of straw, like, and someone like you they know, can make up your bedding. That, that was that was back in the days where straw was your bedding. That or like in the stables. But what if what if you take a pitchfork to said bay of straw that is the Zamora? Like what what happens there? Like who knows? What? Yeah. Well, I'm also thinking like because like there's like a thing with like like people with anxiety like having like weighted like stuffed animals or blankets mm-hmm. that can like help with that or whatever. If you knit a blanket with this, like a Zamora thread, does it become a weighted blanket and therefore is it better for you or is it just making it easier for them to just like sit on your chest in the night and like cause you your fear or whatever? I would say it's the latter of like causing Probably, fear. But like, you know, I'm just wondering. Hmm. We're getting a little too convoluted in these yeses, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but regardless of appearance, though, Zamori were always described as terrifying, the occasionally friendly Kikimura excluded. They were not something you ever wanted to see at night, if ever. Um, and yeah, there's some, like, I saw some pictures. This is an audio-only platform. Uh, we no longer do the live stream, so there's no point in showing them. But there was often, like, these, like, some of them depicted as these little like gremlin type monsters that like sat on your chest. Um, other ones looked like, like actual, like scary, like terrifying, like wraith looking things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, gremlins are evil. Okay. They're scary enough as is. I said, gremlin unless it's, you know. unless it's gizmo. He's the only exception. Fair enough. All the other ones are terrifying. <laughs> well, in case of, you know, in, Infestation by Zamora Zamori. Um, there were ways to protect yourself, or at least ways people considered were ways to protect yourself. Um, a lot of this times, I don't think it did anything. <laughs> uh, a lot of these are silly. Um, but it was believed in Poland that you could capture and kill a Zamora by approaching the afflicted person with an empty bottle. Without alerting the demon, you must sweep it over the victim and then cover the bottle, trapping the nightmare within. Then you throw the bottle into the fire to slay it forever. So, like, sweep the leg? Like, that kind of sweep? Like, I'm, I'm so confused No, here. no, you just you just go over, have a bottle, and, like, uh, just kind of, like, wave okay. it over a body, and it would catch it. I was just saying, I was just, when you said sweep, I'm thinking, they, like, sweep? The person's leg and like used to and hit them with. It. I feel like sweeping the leg of the Zamora might be more effective, especially if they're little gremlin things. Right, just knock it off, you know. <laughs> but you could also trick the Zamora by placing straw in your bed, which it will believe to be you while you sleep elsewhere. Other protections also included wearing a leather belt from one's wedding in sleep, sleeping with a scythe placing a crossed axe and broom on the home's threshold or nailing a bird of prey to the house door. More boringly, you could also just sleep on your stomach since they can't sit on your chest then. (laughs) Just sleep on your stomach. You'll be good. You'll be fine. I can't sleep on my stomach. I I, I literally can't. This is not something I'm capable of. Uh, To protect the stables, one can create a chalk circle around them as well as plaster foul-smelling substances on the horses. Red ribbons were also believed to be protective either for the home 
or in a horse's mane. Just imagine like, just like, I'm just trying to think like just throwing just like, I don't even know what, what's a foul smelling substance that you could put on a horse. A dead animal like, carcass. But like what? Like the, like the rotted, like, Oh, right of flesh. Blood or something? Oh, yeah. Like, like you, just th- you imagine, like, every day before you go to bed, just throwing that shit on your horse? That'd be terrible. I feel bad for it's, the horse. I know. <laughs> like, it's rough, bro. Um, But that's about it for the Zamora. But I figured, since it was mentioned that there's a relation to Morana or Marzana, she has many names, Um, I figured... It might be uh, worthwhile to talk about her. So, Morana, the goddess of winter and death. It's not ominous at all. Nope, not at all. Thinking Game of Thrones here. Yeah. So, commonly known as Marzana, her Polish name, Morana, uh, as she is known in Czech, Slovene, Serbian, and Croatian, is the Slavic goddess of winter and death, also known as, known as More in Lithuanian, Morina in Slavic and Russian, and Mara, uh, so very similar there, in Belarusian and Ukrainian. Uh, some scholars believe that the etymology of her name derives from the Proto-Indo-European name for death, Mor or Mar, or the Latin word for death, Mors, However, it is unclear if this is the true origin of her name due to her story as it fits into Slavic mythology. But commonly, her name seems to be associated with death. Um, But then, like, for things like Mara is, like, mare, so relates to kind of fear. Um, You know, nightmare, stuff like that. This is not a good combo. Yeah, really not. So while she has been likened to the Greek goddess Hecate in regards to sorcery, as well as the Roman Ceres, goddess of agriculture, there are some distinct differences that set her apart from these similar traditions. She is most commonly seen as a bringer of death, as seen in Slavic mythology, when Morana seduced Dasbog, the sun god. Once Dasbog moved on to another lover, Morana poisoned him. As retaliation, Dasbog burned Morana and banished her to Nav, the underworld in Slavic mythology. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you cheat so, on me? Here's poison. Oh, you poison me? Here, go to the underworld and burn. <laughs> burn and get sent to the underworld. Hey, you know, that's that kind of kind of how it be. Mm-hmm. Uh, which specifically, this story of retaliation coincides with the movement of the sun throughout the year. It was believed it was the belief of the ancient Slavs that the sun descended into the underworld in the winter time. In this sense, Morana is quite literally winter. She pulls Dasbog into her embrace for the duration of winter, but he breaks free in time to bring spring. I always love to hear like the explanations for like natural phenomenon in terms of like mythology i think it's always so interesting because i mean it's typically a god doing something or another typically well like this even relates like closely to like the story of like persephone in greek mythology right like she gets pulled like half the year she spends hades because 
like Hades kidnapped her um, and like took her as his wife. And so she stays half the year in uh, in the underworld where it's like, I, I think it's not like cemented which one is correct, but like whether it's Demeter's sadness that her daughter is not, is a way that she causes winter to happen uh, or it's the lack of Persephone being there that causes winter to happen. But then when she like does like her stint in like, you know, above ground, she brings the spring with her. Yeah. So like it is kind of similar, except it's like as if she's kidnapping the equivalent of like Apollo. So <laughs> True. a bit different, but yeah. Uh, there are many sources that contribute to the entirety of the Slavic mythology narrative. While the above story is merely one of the components, other stories, specifically among Russians, tell of Morana living in the Mirror Palace, which can only be reached through the Kalinov Bridge. The palace is protected by snakes and represents the place that the Slavs associate with funerals, once again showing her role as the goddess of death and the underworld. While most traditions point back to her role as the goddess of death, another tradition states that she was not always the embodiment of death. In fact, it says that she was once a goddess of fertility and life, but soon withered into an evil, deadly old crone. It is this story that makes some doubt her name originates from the word for death in many languages, since she was once a goddess of life with the same name. See, they say that, but most bringers of death in most mythologies are once somewhat of a good being prior mm-hmm. and yet their true nature is death yeah i mean obviously this one she like was and then like i guess rot not, not like rotted but just like degraded into mm-hmm. uh this role so from something uh she is most often depicted as a woman of terrifying appearance with pale skin long dark hair and sometimes she's shown with the claws and fangs of a wolf. She is sometimes likened to the Germanic demon Mare, who would come in the night to sit on victims' chests until they suffocated. In other traditions, she is a young maiden dressed in white. To most, she appeared as a withered old woman with an ugly face. However, it is said that to those who were not afraid of her, she would appear as the beautiful maiden. Interesting. Mm -hmm. From this portrayal of her as a young maiden comes the dressing of her effigy in the ritual associated with her in Slavic tradition. Traditionally, the ritual was held on the fourth Sunday of Lent. So we bring in, we bring in the Christianity here. Yep. Uh, Once the ritual was allowed by the Catholic church after being banished in 1420 by the Polish clergy, so they didn't support it at first, but I guess they allowed it eventually. Um, and in modern days, it is held on the fixed date of March 21st. In the ritual, an effigy of the goddess would be made out of straw and dressed in white bits of cloth, ribbons, and necklaces. It is after this point that some traditions vary. In some rituals, the effigy would be burned. In others, it would be paraded to a river or pond to be drowned. In some cases, it would be burned and then drowned. 
<laughs> the symbolic death of the goddess would then allow for a swift arrival of spring and prosperous crops in the coming year. So regardless, they make a straw effigy of this goddess and, murder and it literally murder <laughs> murder it violently <laughs> to bring about spring. That's the springtime ritual. Oh my gosh, what in the world? Um, so... I think burned Andron's a little bit of an overkill, but whatever. <laughs> you never know. Bro. You burn straw, straw goes to ash typically. Though some stays, but still. Yeah, I was like, do they just like wait until it turns into ash, then gather it and like throw it in the water? I don't <laughs> then it becomes like spreading of the ashes for like a like cremation. Like it was I don't know. So or is it only lightly burned? And <laughs> then dunked in the river also trying to think of the like the idea of like drowning in effigy like right how do you know it's drowned when it's not even alive <laughs> yeah like do you just like throw it in the river and just like weigh it down and let it like stay there like i don't regardless uh that's, Who knows? that's <laughs> all i got on morana marzana mara she of a multitude of names. Yeah. Um, real world mythology. Weird and creepy. Witcher mythology. Witcher lore. Just bad. Just don't... Mm-mm. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little weird and creepy, but mostly it's just scary. So, But, yep. you know, I always do find this real world... Myth- this actual mythology stuff very interesting. Oh, yeah. So. It's interesting where they, you know where CDPR gets a lot of their inspiration from and whatnot. Or even, you know, Andrzej Wyskowski, the the author of the Witcher books, which Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody heard or needs a reminder, but he is working on a new Witcher book. So we are getting more books, which is super Mm -hmm. exciting because he hasn't made one since Season of Storms, which I think think that one released in, what, 2013, I think. Yeah, I think so. And before that... It was um, Lady of the Lake, which was like in the nineties. Yeah, so or nineties or two thousands or something like that. Early two thousands, one of the two. But yeah. yeah, but and I I do think this one's like one of the more particularly interesting ones, just because of like where like we have so little like the basis of this from Andre Sokowski because like he mentions a Kikimora in mm-hmm. like the butcher of Blaviken story, but like, that's it. We don't yeah. really like, he, it doesn't get described. We don't ever like get any details like of it at all. We just know that Geralt's killed a Kikimora and brought it for a bounty. And, and that's it. And that's the thing to compare. Like if you go read the books, there's mentions of monsters, but mm-hmm. they're not described like hardly mm-hmm. ever. It's literally thanks to CDPR to in taking the novelization of these books and using their imagination and the area where the books were written and kind of like expand and give us an image of what we get. Yeah. Cause I mean, what the, the only monsters we really get like descriptions of are the Striga, mm-hmm. uh, a Zoigel somewhat, Somewhat. Um, Three Jack Doll as the Golden Dragon. 
Yeah, but um, like you know, dragon appearance doesn't really vary now. very differently compared to like other dragon representations. So True, like, but like that's really it. Like I mean, Torqua, kind of you know of the so, but yeah, other than that, and it's all the short stories. We don't get anything once they get into like the actual like linear story. Nope. Uh, with Blood of Elves, we don't get a whole lot of monsters after that anyway. So, nope. All the monsters yeah. are the people. Mm-hmm. That's so, what it is. So yeah, it's always very interesting to see where like their brains went with all of this inspiration and where they took it. Because yeah. like, very interesting, very wondering, and I don't know. CDPR, if you listen to this, let us know. Email us. Let us know because yes, let us want. know. The decision-making process for every single monster in every single Witcher game, please. In, like, paragraph, detailed paragraphs as well. That would be wonderful. Or or invite us to come to your studio in Poland. That would be awesome. That would be great. I would also be on board with that. <laughs> so, you know, you so. do that stuff with other co- uh, content creators. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, but that's, um, that's it for me. Cool. Well, um, do you know where we're heading next week, or is it up in the air? It's up in the air. All right. And uh, before we end, obviously, we shout out what we are, obviously, other stuff that we do. Toasty, go right Uh, ahead. I do the Cyberpunk Lorecast as well with my co-host Genesis, uh, where we talk about the world of Cyberpunk in a very similar fashion to this. Uh, and I also do the Cyberpunk Red live play podcast, Cyberpunked, Cyberpunk Apostrophe D, with the fumbling for an almighty crit gang. Yeah, and then you can find me on my other shows, the Holocron Histories, the Final Fantasy Lorecast, and the Wizarding World Lorecast. Uh, all on the Robots Radio Network, all on my Discord at Benetameria. And I do live stream those shows on my Twitch channel at Benetameria on twitch so go follow um almost at 50 followers almost almost there to be able to be affiliate so so close so go help me out it'd be awesome um but with that that is the end of this week's episode and remember or stay safe on the path i almost said my line oh no (laughs) see you everyone Thank you for listening to the Witcher Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Ben and Friends Podcasting Discord, where you can share your thoughts, comments, or even experiences with the Witcher lore. You can also find us on Twitter at Witcher Lorecast. <laughs>